Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the final episode of this decade right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Chicago, Illinois. My name is Noah Festenstein, your host of Money Man Sports Talk, right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Let's get it going. It is episode 155, all the way from Harper College Radio, right here to Radio DePaul Sports. Oh my goodness, how great it is to be back. I can't even tell you enough. How great it is to be back. The last time a Monday Mass Sports Talk show aired was uh, finals week of fall quarter. That was November 25th. It is currently December 30th, 2019. And now the previous episode, of course, I did on that 25th. I said that it was the last episode of 2019. Now, not as naive as I was at the time, it, it it's still great news that I am still able to do a radio show this early on and what what that mean what that means is because uh next week next monday the 6th is the first day of uh winter quarter which means that um i'll be able to start running shows at that point as well so this means that this show is the first show of the winter quarter sequence um i could probably get more into details as the show goes on but a lot of important matters to discuss and that revolves around sports cuz this is a sports talk show and that's what it's all about so, first of all, before I get into what the format offers today, I want to wish everyone a happy and healthiest of holidays as the holidays, bulk of the holiday season is kind of surpassing Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. Happy Hanukkah. It is the last day of Hanukkah today as at sundown it will end. Happy Kwanzaa to all who celebrate as well and hope and I hope that everyone is going to have a happy and healthy new year as what this show is all about is reflecting on not just this year, but the entirety of this decade, which will be starting off with baseball at 11.05. In about a couple minutes, we'll be starting baseball. Um, and then at the end of the baseball segment, at the end of each segment, there's going to be a segment where I talk about uh, the top five moments in that respective sport. Um, so at 11.20, I'll be talking for five minutes about my personal top five favorite moments in baseball. And then we're going to move on into some football at 11.25, talk 15 minutes on football. Then we're going to get into five minutes of top five football uh, moments in this decade. Then we're going to move on to basketball at 11.45, 12 o'clock top five basketball moments at 11.20. We got, or at 11.05 per se, I'm sorry, 12.05, we got, um some basketball as well and then we'll get into some top moments in that um hockey so all right so a lot is going on so i just want to make sure <laughs> i'm getting everything correct here um but yeah okay so at 11 50 um it'll be around that time will be basketball uh 12 5 will be hockey and then 12 30 will be ufc MMA, boxing combat sports and then at 11 45 i'll ha- or at 12 45 rather i'll have an ultimate 
top five list. So a two-hour show today. I think this will be the only two-hour show, um, at least for the winter quarter. I don't know what to expect with maybe another two-hour show um, before I leave here at College Radio. But uh, normally these shows are 90 minutes, but today it's two hours, so I have a ton of time to talk sports. Um, And every single top five decade moments will also be live streamed on my Instagram. That is at nfesti97. That's at N-F-E-S-T-I-E 97 uh, for the Instagram feed if you want to check out that. But for now, I'm going to send you guys back to break. But when I come back, it's baseball right here on Monday Madness Sports Talk. Radio DePaul Sports in voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Champion, real life checks mechanism. Yeah, 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 One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein. Right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back. Noah Festenstein with you live from 1 East Jackson, Chicago, Illinois. Talking some sports. It's 11.07. Already falling behind because I'm just so excited to be back. That's A-OK. we got about 13 minutes of baseball, current baseball discussion. And then at 11.20, of course, I will have uh, top five baseball moments of the decade. Um, and I said it. Uh, in the last couple of shows that the one thing I'm really not looking forward to about having a four or five week radio show hiatus is missing all this action that's going to go down in baseball trades and free agent signings. Notably, of course, in offseason, free agent signings are of the best um, quantities. And of course, what we've seen thus far in this offseason as we're about halfway through is some good signings. I think proper signings from teams that needed to sign um, certain players. And uh, I think... The one team that has won this offseason by a landslide. Uh, and that's, I'm, 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 I'm not even hesitating saying this, is that of the White Sox. 
The White Sox now look like a team that's going to win in 2020. Simple as that. And I said that there's going to be, as a Cubs fan and as a Cubs enthusiast, I I, I took the notion a couple weeks ago, or not a couple weeks ago, like a month ago on my last show, um, that they're going to, these two teams, the Cubs and White Sox, are kind of going to merge in a way in this 2020 season. You're going to see kind of both teams um, succeed in their own ways, but at the same time, they could even have a mirror of a season because uh, of how much talent that they have on their team. Um, and now you kind of look at the White Sox. They signed three big players. Uh, the re-signing of Jose Abreu, um, the signing of Edwin Encarnacion, uh, a year and $12 million. Um, and then today, officially, it just became uh, that Dallas Keuchel has signed a $55 million three-year deal to be on the White Sox. What a deal that is. Um, so it's just like... <sighs> This White Sox team right now is is kind of crazy, and then you also have the addition of Yasmani Grandal, a All Star catcher. Um, it's just a very good situation uh, that the White Sox are currently in right now. Let's look at other notable signings that um, we were not able to discuss. Um, Justin Bohr is a good exa- is interesting because he uh, he was an All Star back in the day. Now he's in Japan, so that's like the interesting thing I looked at. Now he's playing in Japan. Some older veteran players are now moving overseas uh, a lot recently, and uh, there's a couple of good examples. And I think Justin Bohr is one of them. He was just on the the Angels in 2019, and now he's uh, on Team Japan. Um, let's look at other big uh, signings: Madison Bumgarner. Um, obviously a big, big piece in the Giants' um, three World Series championships. Uh, he is now on the Diamondbacks in a five-year deal, so he's staying in the NL West, which will be interesting for him to pitch up against the uh, Giants. Uh, I'm, I'm always interested in, in players that re-sign and they're in the same division. That's interesting. Um, looking at others, Garrett Cole, of course, the Yankees. That's probably the biggest um, pitching pitcher signing um, and I think you also got, of course, Steven Strasburg, who reached that milestone as well. That's $324 for, um, what's your McCall? Uh, Garrett Cole. And then for, I'm trying to look for his name here because I'm looking down a list of signed free agents. Um, I'm looking for the exact, it was a $300 million deal for Strasburg and the Nationals. I think that's a great spot for uh, Steven Strasburg to be um, a National, considering um, his tenure with the team. And now since he won a World Series with this team, what else can he do um, is the question. But of course, he's still kind of in um, uh, just cloud nine about this World Series win, uh, as many of the other National players are. I know that uh, Bryce Harper is not one of them. So other notable free agent signings. Uh, yeah, wait. So the Steven Strasburg signing was exactly $245 million. I just found his name, so I just want to make sure I got that fact correct. Um, Zach Wheeler uh, is another pitcher that was out there and that got a good deal from the Phillies. He got a four-year, $118 million deal. In total, the amount of money that has been uh, spent towards free agency combined with all MLB teams so far, so far this offseason, this number is still growing, is $1,805,950,000. That's 
a pretty hefty amount of money. I think that's more than what already was last year. I mean, the big two free agent signings last year is Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, but that was really just about it for big free agent signings. This year, you're talking about pitchers um, and a couple other great um, players, such as like Anthony Rendon, who just signed a deal with the Angels of seven years, $245 million. That is insane, dude. Um, and then Hunjin Ryu, another pitcher, got $80, $80 million. Yeah, $80 million uh, on a four-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, also, Travis Shaw signed with the Blue Jays as well. Um, Red Sox got some pitching as well. They got Josh Osich from the White Sox. But uh, if you know anything about Osich, I, I saw him pitch live bullpen sessions when I was at Sox games this past season. This guy's got some fire to his, pop, uh, to, to his throw. I mean, you hear the pop of the mitt. When you're over there and it's just like, wow, that that's like some <laughs> that that that's some real stuff right there. Um, let's look at other ones. Uh, Howie Kendrick resigned with the Nationals in a one-year, six million two hundred fifty thousand dollar contract. Um, and of course, right now, uh, Dallas Keuchel, literally as of forty-five minutes ago, as mentioned, three years, fifty-five million five hundred thousand dollars for the White Sox. But what else can the White Sox do? Uh, I, I'm done, I'm done talking about for agents because I want to talk about this White Sox team. You got so many players, first of all, young and veteran, that this I'm comparing it to the 2015 Cubs. You got a young core group of guys and then a couple veteran pieces that are really going to help this team succeed moving forward. Um, Edwin Encarnacion is, of course, that veteran. Yasmani Grandal, Jose Abreu. And then you got guys like Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, uh, James McCann. All these players on this White Sox team that I just mentioned are all-star caliber. Um, and then you don't mention the pitchers. You got, um, of course, Dallas Keuchel in the deal. Gio Gonzalez signed with the White Sox as well. Uh, and then you got, of course, I mean, uh, Gio, uh, Lucas Giolito. I blanked on the name. I don't know how. Uh, but, yeah, Lucas Giolito. And then you got Kopech coming back from the injured list and Tommy John surgery, and he's still throwing 100-plus miles an hour. So this White Sox rotation could all of a sudden look really dangerous when we thought even after the first few free agent signings in the offseason, the White Sox were like, okay, they still have a pretty adequate offense, but now it's just been bolstered with other free agent signings. And only – the. Uh, Free agent signings don't even just affect players individually, but affects the whole team. It's just the mantra. It's just the the type of environment one plays in, a player can play in, um, as new players come in, all these veteran presences. Um, it's just only going to help other players perform around them. It's contagious. Um, and that's why you kind of have to talk about this White Sox team is a great example. It's because they've already gotten a great amount of uh, free agents that this is going to be a, a different looking team next year that includes all other players that um, you may not think is going to perform uh, and that's going to be interesting to see uh, did the White Sox should the White Sox sign more in free agency this season um, they can save a little bit of money and maybe wait until next offseason considering um, you're still going to want to build off of what you have now so maybe the White Sox should save some money because they're going to have a lot of it um, even if they still don't make any more moves. Um, that's so a lot of interesting stuff in the White Sox end, and I'm going to talk way more White Sox and Cubs. I'll make a couple Cubs points as uh, the segment dies down here in five minutes. Um, but 
I'm interested in seeing. I mean, first of all, you, you talk about the the AL Central. The AL Central, you got the Twins and the Indians. The Indians are dying out, um, and the Twins, you just don't. They're very unpredictable. But now it's kind of predictable to say that this White Sox team is going to do good in a very weak AL Central with the Royals, Twins, Tigers. Um, it's just going to be and Indians, of course. It's just going to be a very slow AL Central, but it could also be a close AL Central because of this White Sox team improving so much this offseason. Um and then let's I mean let's 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 let's, let's just shift over to the NL Central here because the uh, the Cubs are not in the same position as the White Sox. They're in a stronger division. They still got a talented team, um but a lot of questions surrounding this team. What's the timeline behind this Cubs team? Uh, and, of course, the the talks this offseason was, of course, revolving around the trades of maybe guys like Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, and other people on this team, other players on this team that can really bring in some good value. Um, I don't think it's worth it. I think it's something that the trade market can deal with in the middle of the season if you want to trade a big name like Chris Bryant. But the thing about Chris Bryant is he's got, what, one year or something left on his contract. Uh, you may want to trade him considering you could get something long-term that is more effective than a just one-year deal with Chris Bryant because you don't know what this Cubs season is going to look like this season. So what what's it going to be in that regard? Um, I, I think the most interesting headline that's going to be for the Chicago Cubs season is how is David Ross going to handle his management position um, because that's just going to be a very interesting move to kind of see progress. I mean, that's the biggest Cubs offseason move was signing uh, David Ross's manager. That was literally the Cubs' biggest move. Um, and then a couple other small free agent signings and trades that normal teams do. Um, it, I'm, I'm a lot, like I said, a lot of question marks surrounding this Cubs team. A lot of question marks. Um, and I think those question marks constitute a lot of um, skepticisms for this Cubs team. And that's why we're kind of glorifying this White Sox team because that's something we haven't seen in a while in Chicago is the Southside baseball actually having hope to it. Um, and I, I love my White Sox fans. I do. Um, I'm a Chicago fan. I, I If the White Sox are good, I'm rooting for them. Um, but, I mean, it's just about time. for this. It, the, this White Sox team is due. And the Cubs were just as due in 2015 when they were um, about to win a World Series. In 2016, of course, and when they, when they won the World Series. Um, I'll be getting more into that discussion about Cubs winning the World Series in my top five best moments of the decade. Coming at you live in just a little bit. This has been my baseball discussion, and I'll see you in about a minute with top five moments of all time, of not all time, of the decade in baseball. I'll be on Instagram Live and Facebook Live in just a bit, so stay tuned to that. That's Instagram at nfesti97, at nfesti97. I'll be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. 
Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Rose crosses over the fadeaway. Live from downtown Chicago, you listen to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of the DePaul Blue Demons. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein, right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back. Monday Madness Sports Talk right here on Radio DePaul Sports, student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. That's 10 Victoria's Secret Models by Max bringing me into this next segment. It is my top five moments of baseball in this decade. Let's get it started at number five. Really, actually, before I get started, I just want to remind everyone, like, this list isn't really top five. It's really more no particular order considering it's you're talking about an entire decade. There's so many great moments in a decade, it's hard to kind of rank them. So I will start with baseball because I think that's my most emotional Emotionally attached sport, if you may say. Let's get it going. All right, number five. David Ortiz Grand Slam in the 2013 ALCS. David Ortiz steps up to the plate, um, and it is bases loaded, 5-1 to one the score uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning, and David Ortiz goes deep uh, to deep to right to make it a 5-5 uh, ball game. And I was the first time I looked at a game, was watching a game, and I got really emotionally attached to it. I have never... I never had that feeling in my life up until that point, like watching sports. And that's really like, and that was the time when I wasn't doing radio shows. So like getting that type of moment from a team that I, I mean, I don't particularly pay attention to very often, but you kind of look at those unbelievable comeback moments and say to yourself, wow, that's something I'll remember for a very long time. And in this decade is definitely in my top five. All right. Number four, uh, this is 2016 D Gordon, um, who is not a home run hitter, hits a home run, but after the um, tragic death of former all-star pitcher, young pitcher Jose Fernandez, who ha- died on a boat uh, in a boat accident in 2016, I remember doing a broadcast about it, and I was very emotional on that broadcast. And I think that with this moment, um, D. Gordon, he first of all, he started the at-bat off hitting uh, bat. He's a left-handed hitter, comes into the batter's box hitting right-handed, impersonating. Um, impersonating the batting stance of Jose Fernandez, who had two home runs at the time. Um, and he took the first pitch um, from the hands of Bartolo Colon as a ball, 
He switched off batting stances to his left side, and the first pitch he sees hits a ball to the second deck in right field. Uh, and he cried, rounding the bases, uh, and quoted after the game saying, "That was I've never hit a home run. I've never hit a ball that far in my life. Um, and to think about it that way, I, it's just something that's is something spiritual about that that like makes you more emotionally attached to the game, and that's why it's in my top five. All right, number three is not really a moment, but really kind of an era, per se. This decade of baseball has been the decade of bat flips. It all started with Jose Bautista um, doing his thing in the 2015 playoffs. You know, obviously that big home run that he hit uh, in the ALDS in 2015 against the Rangers. Uh, he did a bat flip, and it started a—it didn't really start. I mean, the era already kind of started, but bat flips became a huge thing this decade, and I think that uh, it has helped the sport in terms of its kind of swagger appeal. Um, and I think that's what baseball needed at the time at, at in this decade is more of that swagger appeal that you kind of want to notice in 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 baseball and in, in a sport that um, not people not be not many people watch on TV. But you know, when you add that swagger aspect to it, it's only going to get better. All right, number two is uh, I wish I, I I wanted to play the audio to it, but I don't want to waste time on the broadcast playing too much audio. Um, it's Bartolo Colon's home run. Um, I talked about Carlos Bartolo Colon in my last um, piece, but this one he actually goes deep. Um, he pitched for 20 years, and he has never hit a home run. He's uh, known as Big Sexy, uh, and he went deep uh, in San Diego, and that was my number two moment. So that's... Go on YouTube if you want like a nice smile, better. You know, you're a sports fan, you want something uh, to spice up your day. Go search up on YouTube Bartolo Colon's home run. It was it's amazing. Um, I watched that video in my um, worst of days. All right, number one. I think you guys can predict it. Uh, I I mean I don't even have to say it, but my number one choice is the 2016 World Series Chicago Cubs. My number one um, baseball moment of all time. Um, of all time for me personally happens in this decade and it's the Cubs winning the World Series for the first time in 108 years. Um, I remember watching that. That's I cried again, of course. They talk about my fifth, you know, the first time being so emotionally attached. But now having been emotionally attached to baseball, watching the Cubs, my favorite team, win the World Series, nothing can top that. Uh, so that is my number one in baseball. So that's baseball top five of the decades. David Ortiz Grand Slam, the uh, D Gordon home run after Jose Fernandez's death, this decade of bat flips, Bartolo Colon's home run, and the Cubs winning the World Series in my top five of baseball. I'm gonna cut the stream off for Facebook and Instagram. I'll be back on here in about 15 minutes covering my top five in football. Got a lot going for this broadcast today on Money Mass Sports Talk. We've got an hour and a half left. I can't even believe it. Um, but believe it. Trust me. Tune in to RadioDePaulSports.com or download the Radio DePaul app on your smartphone today and tune in to the sports stream for Monday Mass Sports Talk. Be back in a bit with football. Stay tuned. Max Struz curling right side. Drills a jumper. See what Struz does. He looks like he wants to shoot. I was kind of hoping he would pull up there and one. Floater was wet. Struz is loose. Curl three. three. Bang. You know it. My goodness. Struz on the other end gets it to fall and one. Now off top, he's got a double team. Now it's just Figueroa on him. Nice oh, move, quick wow. move. Out of oh control. my goodness. Wow, he was out of control. Max he finished off glass. That is a new career high for Max Struess. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now.
You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes I do the same things over and over until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fall, and one. Oh. Max Drews brings down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball. to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the final episode of 2019 right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Football time right here on Monday Madness Sports Talk. Got 10 minutes to do it, so let's start it off quick. If you're coming in from the Instagram or Facebook live stream, welcome into the stream. Radio DePaul Sports. Radio DePaul Sports student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Let's get it going right now with football. Uh, we'll spend 10 minutes talking college football and NFL football. And the Bears yesterday ended their season with a win against the Minnesota Vikings. Unfortunately, had to go down to the last second with Eddie Pinheiro having to hit a sub-20 yard field goal to take the lead with 10 seconds left in the game, and the Bears win over the uh, really not... I mean, against the Vikings team, that really didn't start many of their good players, first of all. And secondly, I mean, the Bears, yes, nothing to play for other than a 500 season, but uh, they're looking into this... They're looking into this 2020 season as like um, a stepping stone to what should have been this season. Uh, it was just not a good season. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything with this Bears season. It just wasn't a good season. And it, uh, I mean, it, it, w- it would have been a good season last season if it would, they won 8-8 eight and eight, and this year 12-4 and four because 8-8 eight and eight would have been an improvement over 2017, of course. But now a 12-4 and four season from last year turns into an 8-8 eight and eight season this year, all because of expectations. The expectations for this Bears team were set so high that the downfall was just even more painful. It would have been much better last year if the Bears went 8-8 and and this year 12-4 and because it would have shown improvement, mild improvement, improvement to say, hey, this team's ready to compete. But now what's going to be the 2020 mindset is let's not have this past season happen again. The Bears have easier games next year because they had a, uh, a worse season this year. Um, let's get into that, actually. Uh, so to start it off, um, looking at the 2020 opponents at home, the Bears are going to have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Texas, uh, Houston Texans, New Orleans Saints, and the Indianapolis Colts, uh, New York Giants, and of course the NFC North uh, matchups between the Lions, Packers, and Vikings. Their away games will go to Atlanta for their first ever visit to the new stadium in Atlanta, um, the Mercedes-Benz Arena. 
Um, that'll be an away game. They'll go to Carolina to face off the Panthers, face off against the Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. Also, first time out in Tennessee um, at their stadium for the Bears, and then at the uh, new LA Rams stadium next year, the Bears will be facing off against the uh, Rams. Two years in a row, the Bears face the Rams in Los Angeles, but uh, both years will have a different stadium. The now known. Uh, that's just going to be a better stadium next year. That's all. And uh, if anyone, speaking of stadiums, if anyone was looking at the video of the new uh, Vegas Raiders stadium, it looks like the Death Star. Speaking of the Death Star, I don't know who watched uh, Star Wars yet. I have yet to do so. So if you ever talk to me about Star Wars, I will not be happy because I have not found the time yet. I've been working so much and have not seen the new Star Wars movie. So please do not spoil anything for me. All right. Off that side note. Um, let's talk some other NFL news as the playoff brackets are set. Um, and it looks as so. I just want to get to the hold on. I just want to get to uh, the actual post here. But I know that with the new the biggest loss yesterday was that was that New England Patriots loss. They would have been. Uh, second seed, if not losing to the Miami Dolphins, but for the first time in this decade, the Patriots are going to be in the playoffs without a bye, which is actually quite the um, I'm trying quite the I'm always blanking on the words. Um, just a accomplishment, you would say. Um, I mean, this New England Patriots team has been dominant, and they could still be dominant with a, a good playoff run this season. Um, but when now looking at this 2019 NFL pit playoff picture, it looks as such. In the AFC, uh, you got the number one and number two uh, seeds in the Ravens and Chiefs. What a season that the Ravens have had, led by Lamar Jackson. Um, and then, the, so what's going to happen is uh, the lowest team, the lowest remaining seed uh, will be facing the Ravens, and the highest remaining seed will be facing the Chiefs. Same thing applies in the NFC, where the 49ers in the first seed will be facing the lowest remaining seed after the wild card matchup, and the Packers will be facing off against the highest remaining seed as the two seed in the NFC. Let's look at the AFC wild card matchups. You got the Titans and Patriots and Bills and Texans. I got the Patriots, of course, winning against the Titans, and then the Texans beating the Bills. Um, the Vikings and Saints. Vikings and Saints. I'd say Saints are going to win that one. It'd be a great matchup between the 49ers and Saints in the divisional series. Um, Seahawks and Eagles, I think the Seahawks are going to beat that one. I think that will be the only upset this um, NFC uh, in, the, in the wild card round would be the Eagles beating the Saints. I'm sorry, the Seahawks beating the Eagles. Why, what, am I, what am I saying? Um, so that's the wild card picture. I mean, of course, I want to speak to you guys maybe um, a little bit before the divisional series. So uh, I'll save that discussion for another day. Um Let's look into the college football playoffs because uh, we saw a couple of great games. We got a couple of games today. Um, let me make sure I am getting all of the games in that we need to. I know that Illinois will be um, playing today uh, against Cal at 3 o'clock. I know that's going down. Um, so let's look at other games that are going down. It's bull- It's a bull day here. Um so, like I said, the next game is Illinois-California. Live right now is the first responder bowl, Western Michigan versus Western Kentucky. Um, Music City Bowl will be Louisville and what am I? where am I going here? So, I'm just talking about what's happening today. Uh, so, like I said, the Music City Bowl is Louisville against um, Mississippi State. Um, and then tonight it will be Florida against Virginia. 
That'll be the Orange Bowl uh, tonight. And then Virginia Tech against Kentucky uh, will be tomorrow at 11 first thing. So that's going to be interesting games. Um, so let's talk about the college football playoffs. Uh, the Clemson and Ohio State game on Saturday, 29-23, the final. Uh, the biggest play of that game was the uh, targeting call made in the first half that allowed Clemson um, and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was tagged by a linebacker, um, and uh, supposedly it was helmet-to-helmet contact. But what I saw was, yes, that helmet-to-helmet contact, but nothing too uh, blatant. It was, I mean, that's football. That's tackle football. What are you going to expect? At least, all right, my take on this, it's not a targeting call, but it could maybe be a passer interference, I don't know, or a roughing, roughing the passer, roughing in general. Um, and, I mean, make that type of call. Don't eject the player for um, inadvertently hitting the quarterback in the helmet. That happens. It's going to happen naturally. He, I, I, Of course, it's a very dangerous play. Trevor Lawrence was down for a little bit, but he got up and was able to play on. Um, but I don't think that was a targeting call. Maybe not a targeting call, maybe more of a roughing the passer, per se even though that it really didn't affect the uh, way that Trevor Lawrence was getting out of the pocket. Um, but that was a great game, as I expected. Clemson and Ohio State, I think the Clemson and um, LSU matchup is a better matchup than what Ohio State matchup would have been. A lot of p- people are saying that Ohio State's the better team, that maybe they would have won more out of the you know X amount of times that they would be playing Clemson. But I don't think that's the case. I really don't. Ohio State... Um, they, I mean, first of all, they haven't been playing in the college football playoffs for a while. I think since earlier in the decade they were in the college football playoffs. Um, but Clemson has all the uh, experience they need to be in the position that they are and to be in this national championship game. Gross got a sophomore in Trevor Lawrence who knows how to play in these type of situations. But then uh, Jordan Burrow, man, <laughs> I mean, dude. I'm talking about the uh, LSU-Oklahoma game. Five uh, touchdown passes in the first half. The most in a college football playoff game uh, was five originally, uh, four originally, but he beat it in the first half, Jordan Burrow did. And he got seven total with an extra touchdown being a rushing touchdown. So eight total touchdowns um, via the efforts of Jordan Burrow. How do you do that? That's insane. Um, So great stuff there. Um, got to everything I want to do about football and discussing it today, so that's great. A lot of more football discussing, well, a lot more football discussion coming up in later episodes of Money Man Sports Talk. But glad to have uh, talked about it today. I'm going to be talking college basketball in my next basketball segment, but um, also, of course, NBA basketball. But right now, I'm going to take a break, and when I come back from this break, it is going to be live streaming for the top five moments of football in this decade. Got a good list. I'm excited for this one. You're listening to Monday Mass Sports Talk right here on Radio DePaul Sports and voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life, young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. 
Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Mexter's curling right side, drills the jumper. Let's see what Struce does. He looks like he wants to shoot. I was kind of hoping he would pull up there and one. Floater was wet. Struce is loose. Struce Curl from three. three. Bang. You know it. My goodness. Struce on the other end gets it to fall and one. Now up top, he's got a double team. Now it's just Figueroa on him. Nice oh, move. Quick move. Wow. Out of oh, control. my goodness. Wow, he was out of control. He finished off glass. That is a new career high for Max Struess. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the final episode of this decade right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back to Monday Mass Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein on until 1 o'clock on here, RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. This is Good Vibe, B-R-K-L-Y-N, and Zach Martino bringing me into the top five football moments of this decade. I'm going to start off, like I said, no particular order, great moments all around. It's going to start off with not really a moment, but really kind of this era that this decade has offered in football. I think it was the rise of the quarterbacks and Drew Brees, Tom Brady, of course, now Mahomes, kind of like you, you, you've seen in this decade of football, just the rise of certain stars in this league that are just mind blowing everyone. Mahomes is doing it right now, and he's going to be doing that, I think, this next decade. And then, of course, you look uh, back on what Breeze, Brady has done, Russell Wilson, um, it, 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 just the rise of these quarterbacks and uh, players, certain players in the league, um, just has have really helped define what we see in the NFL today. Um, and I took that notion in heavy regard when I made when I made this list is um, for any list for that matter is the impact on the sport. Number four, um, I would say, hmm. <laughs> Because I'm looking at the list and I'm like deciphering if this should be number four, but it will be. It's going to be uh, the interception at the goal line um, in the Super Bowl game between the Patriots and Seahawks, um, where the Patriots, or like I, I tweeted about it last night because uh, Pete Carroll, coach of the Seattle Seahawks, um, with Marshawn Lynch back for the only game of the season this season, they had it within the 10 yard line um, at the goal line, and the Seahawks didn't run the ball. Uh, same thing exactly happened in this case, like I'm talking about right now, is um, in the Super Bowl when the Seahawks faced the Patriots, the Seahawks throwing, Russell Wilson throwing an interception when they should have given it to the best running back in the league in Marshawn Lynch. Uh, and, of course, again, Pete Carroll does it in yesterday's game, the last game of the decade, 
the last play of the decade, literally, is a carbon copy of what happened in the Super Bowl game um, was the interception goal line. So that's my number three. My number two, I'm sorry, my number three, that was my number four. My number three is the another Patriots, um, another glorification of the Patriots is that their comeback versus the Falcons in Super Bowl 51. Um, unbelievable comeback. Uh, I mean, 27-3, I think, was the scoreline going into that uh, second half. Uh, in a Super Bowl? Come on. That's an insane comeback. Not going to say any more about it because I don't want to keep glorifying the Patriots. I'm not rooting for them. Trust me. Um, number two is Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch. Um, that was my number two. It could be easily my number one once I state my number one, and a lot of people might not like me for my number one, um, but I'm going to say it um, very soon. But Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch was just the most astounding thing I've ever – one of the most astounding things I've ever seen in my life um, was he made that catch – um, against, if I'm correct, the, I'm not, I forgot who it was against, but, um, when I saw that catch, I was like, whoo, that is inhumane. Um, it was a one-handed grab off of like a, what, 30-yard throw to the end zone? It's, you don't do that. Um, okay, and then my number one, very arguably said, uh, is Cody Parkey's double doink in last year's playoff with the Bears. I mean... I, I didn't think I was going to put a very sad moment in my number one, but the, also the most, um, the, I think a big turning point in the Bears right now is was that Cody Parkey double doink was just because, you know, this this whole mantra of winning for the Chicago Bears team uh, had to come down to field goals, especially this year. Two games went down to field goals. A couple last year went down to a couple field goals. And this football game should have never went down to the field goal. And it, it, if anything, this was the best life lesson the Bears could have possibly had was Cody Parkey's double doink. So that's my number one football moments this decade. Um, arguably, I think there's other big reasons behind that. Um, also, it really showed a lot of Chicago's character, which I don't think should be reflected. Um, but I don't think that... Um, there's an argument here. This has got to be in my top five in Cody Parkey's double doink, and I'm going to do it as a uh, um, as a life lesson, if you may say. Okay, so that is the second round of, um, if you may say, Instagram, Facebook lives in terms of top five moments, perfectly timed uh, in the segments as I'm going to do another one in basketball very shortly. I'll be at a 12 o'clock, so stay tuned right here on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. Um, we'll be doing another Instagram, Facebook live very soon in top five moments in basketball. But right now I'll be doing, um, some current basketball news in NBA and college basketball. And with a hot, with the focus into Paul basketball, we'll be talking about this next segment right here on radio, Paul sports, the student voice of your DePaul blue demons. It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... could be the most expensive night of your life. 
Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I do the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fall, and one. Oh, Max Drews brings down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball. Welcome back. Mighty Mass Sports Talk, rated Paul Sports, student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. My name is Noah Festenstein. Taking you on to one. I got 10 minutes to talk about um, basketball. Try not to run behind in the schedule. This is Take You By Surprise. By Surprise, Osrin and Adam Tell. All right, so basketball. Let's do it. Um, I want to start off with some DePaul basketball before I get to NBA. So I'll go from college to NBA here. All right, um, 12 and 1. Best start since 86. Period. I want to say before I talk really logistics about this team that how honored and blessed that I am to be a part of this as a DePaul student, as a, a DePaul member of the uh, of the community, and as a, a broadcaster covering this DePaul team because they are on the map. They are on the national map. They are being argued for top twenty five right now. Uh, I don't know if there's a top 25 list out here considering there's a big break. Like, a lot of games weren't being played last year because last week because there was a break for Christmas, and understandably so. So I don't know if there's um, a new NCAA basketball top 25. So let's look at this top 25, shall we? And why should DePaul be argued to be on this list? Well, let's begin. So there's two teams on this list that DePaul has already beat in this season unexpectedly, and that's Iowa and Texas Tech. They are both 20, 23 and 22, respectively. Texas Tech's 22, Iowa's 23. Um, DePaul beat both of those teams. Uh, and then you got other teams that are in the Big East on this list. That's Villanova, Butler. It used to be Seton Hall, in which DePaul is playing tonight. Um, and also, I think, used to be Xavier as well. And, and arguably the most, uh, I would say, congested Big East we've seen in a very long time. Um, this Big East could also be the big, best conference in the league right now in the entire NCAA, arguably. Um, and that starts tonight. It starts extremely tonight. Um, so two other teams were put uh, ahead of DePaul in the voting. Um, DePaul had 47 votes in, in, in the voting polls for top 25, but they beat Northern Iowa. They beat... Um, other let's look at other notable teams. They beat Florida. They beat Seton Hall. Seton Hall only had two, and Seton Hall beat Maryland with two of their best players out. So I mean, and and the Pauls playing tonight. So a big game tonight. 
between DePaul and Seton Hall. Um, and I'm looking at my guy. Give me more. Give me some Charlie Moore. Um, he, we need to get this guy on the board. Whenever he gets on the board, it's only success for this DePaul basketball team. Uh, also, of course, you got Paul Reed. I mean, in the first half against uh, Northwestern, he didn't have zero points. Got to get him hot right away so that he can play consistently throughout the game. And then, of course, your your bench players. You got Romeo Weems, who's been playing fantastic. Uh, I'm talking who's not a bench player, but Jalen Butts, your big man in the center, getting the ball to Butts in the middle in the paint is everything that DePaul needs to do. Anything, I mean, if you are desperate for a point, get get butts up the middle or find an open lane above the arc. Uh, that they've been finding a lot of success giving the ball to butts uh, in the paint. Um, another couple things, um, I like other players that barely get playing time. Like on Jenda, he gets minimal playing time, but every single time he plays, he gets buckets. Um, I'm looking at also, uh, oh, you, you know my guy Jalen Coleman lands. Or otherwise known as Jalen Coleman lands it as our best three point shooter on the team, um, but he get he's got to get hot too. So just a collective effort from all players. If a if if DePaul gets a win over Seton Hall tonight, um, that is no question behind it. DePaul should be ranked. Um, if they get a win on Providence on Saturday. Speaking of which, the Providence game on Saturday, I will be live broadcasting it here on RadioDePaulSports.com um, with. My good friend Josh Handelman. Josh Handelman will be doing the play-by-play. I will be doing the analysis. I mean, that's that's you know, Hall of Fame battery right battery mate right there. I mean, I've never done anything with Josh Handelman in terms of live games, but him and I, uh, we're gonna do great. Trust us. Trust us. We're gonna do fantastic on Saturday, and also notably on Saturday, I'm moving back into the city, so I'm extremely excited for this to be back at Paul. I know this is kind of the starting point. Is starting off Monday Mass Sports Talk. I can't wait because Saturday is going to be a great day to move back in. This entire winter break, I've been working at Mariano's Deli. Uh, I love the people there. I just hate the job. Just, you know, slicing, slinging meat and cheeses all day. It's some, I'd rather be covering live basketball than doing that. Trust me. Um, but besides the point, DePaul is on the map, and that's all we need to know. They haven't been on the map like this in a very long time. And they're highly regarded to be in this NCAA tournament this year. Let's talk about the women's quick. Women's just had a very big game yesterday, big win against Marquette yesterday. Uh, eighteen point differential there, and of course the rematch of last year's Big East championship game. A little bit less talented this year, maybe the Marquette Golden Eagles are, but uh, still a great performance by the DePaul Blue Demons. Lexi Held played great. Uh, Kelly Campbell, give me some of that. Uh, Jolie Daniger, everybody on that team, great group of girls. Uh, always worth it, of course. You know, consecutive years upon year upon year upon year, this team is in the NCAA tournament and, of course, projected to win this year's Big East tournament once again. Please pay attention to this women's team just as well as the men's team. Uh, I mean, we got some great basketball coming up. Um, and it's always covered here on Radio DePaul Sports. Follow Radio DePaul Sports on Twitter. That's at RDPS Sports. Uh, on Twitter, follow us. Um, it's gonna be a great time. All right, five minutes to talk NBA. Let's do it. Um, so the NBA is gonna, it, and I'm gonna talk about best basketball moments in this decade very soon, and a lot is gonna be heavily regarding the NBA. But um, it, I look at the standings, and of course, the one thing in the standings that really baffled me um, is Golden State being just extremely terrible this year. I said it once, and I'm gonna keep saying it again and again and again is that Golden State just sucks. Um, <laughs> let's look at the Western Conference while we're at it. Um, Warriors are 9-25. and 
They're the worst team in the league by two two games. Um, and the New Orleans Pelicans are right behind them in that regard, but I'm waiting for Zion Williamson to make his debut. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers, of course, meeting expectations. They're 26-7, and seven, right in front of the Denver Nuggets, who are 23-9. and nine. But the Los Angeles Lakers are the team to be watching out for. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, that battery team is insane. Um, insane. Same applies to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard up in, uh, in the same building. The LA Clippers, they're 23-11. and 11. Uh, that was a great game on Christmas that we saw between the Lakers and Clippers. Lakers, of course, pulling off, but um, I mean, well, I'm I'm sorry, the Clippers pulling off. My apologies there. I meant to say Clippers, but amazing game that was. Um, I, I mean, two teams playing in the building that they both play in. That's a that's a fun game. Um, other notables in the standings uh, before I get to some Chicago Bulls discussion. Brief Chicago Bulls discussion uh, in the Eastern Conference. On the top of the list is the. Bucks at twenty nine and five. They're the best team in the league, even though they, they just recently lost to the LA Lakers um, and a couple other teams, I believe, if I'm correct. If the Bucks did just lose to those teams, um, actually, no, I'm not correct. The Bucks won against the Lakers, uh, but they did they they lost against the Seventy Sixers. That was the loss on Christmas. That's that that was what I was looking for. Um, so that's a good notable, but the 76ers are fifth in the Eastern Conference. Raptors, Celtics, and Heat. What I really want to talk about is the Chicago Bulls being one game away from being in playoff spot. They're one win away. They have 20 losses, so they're one and a half games behind the Orlando Magic, but then, of course, only just about tied with the Charlotte Hornets uh, at the top. So the Bulls have a chance to make the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, because you got teams behind the Bulls, such as the Atlanta Hawks, who are only six and twenty-seven. The New York Knicks, nine and twenty-four. Washington Wizards, nine and twenty-two. This Bulls team has a chance this year, which is something. Well, I mean, it, it's eighth seed, and plus you got a great set of teams in front of them. But um, I, I'm this Bulls team. If they just keep on the pace that they are, and uh, whatever they. Uh, can do to win game, win win the game. <laughs> I mean, they're thirteen and twenty. I mean, if you can make the playoffs, being an under five hundred team, so be it. Uh, I mean, that's all right, I guess. But we want this Bulls team to keep winning. Um, okay, it's eleven fifty eight. Uh, I'm gonna spend a two minute break, but when I get back, it's gonna be top five basketball moments of the decade on Instagram Live and Facebook Live. You can follow me on Instagram at nfesty ninety seven. That's at n f e s t i e. 97. So let's do it. We'll be back in about a bit for NBA top five moments of the decade right here on Radio DePaul Sports, student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. 
Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I'd like kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Rose crosses over the fadeaway. Live from downtown Chicago, you're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the final episode of this decade right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. And welcome back, Monday Madness Sports Talk. With your host, Noah Fessessing, halfway there to one o'clock, one hour gone, one hour to go. Bringing in with Easy, Tridinal, Capera, and Ryan. Played that at Noah night this past thir- uh, Friday night. It's usually on Thursday nights. It ha- it's not starting until probably another couple weeks. I'll keep you guys updated in that regard. But in the regard of top five moments of basketball in this decade, I got you on that right here, right now. Let's start it up at number five. Um, it is the Golden State Warriors dynasty. Um, I mean, you got massive, massive... Um, I mean, just like a massive team you could not ever like imagine, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green and company, uh, just, just that entire team was just carried on through the later parts of this decade. Um, it's just been wonderful to see just some kind of dynasty that kind of, it was a team that was kind of nothing at the beginning of the decade that grew into something massive at the end of the decade. It's that storyline that you kind of have to admire um, is the Golden State Warriors. But I was just mentioning this past decade, the most embarrassing thing going on right now is um, that the Golden State Warriors are the last in the league. So that's kind of funny to to pinpoint. Um, So let's look at number four. Uh, is the Cavs 2016 championship that cut into the dynasty of the Golden State Warriors. It would have been a four straight years uh, championship for Golden State, but it just didn't happen as that. Or I'm sorry, two years. Um, it just didn't happen like that in 2016 where the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James took down uh, the 73-win Golden State Warriors. Um, it's just in, in a fashion that nobody else expected in a seven-game Series won all seven games, a four point differential. Uh, that LeBron James block shot at the ends, just everything you want in a basketball game, a basketball series, you got it. And LeBron James, 
um, fulfilled his promise to Cleveland to bring a championship to the city. And, of course, now with that fulfillment, he can now move on with his career. He's playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, of course. Um, and I think that championship really defined how the end of this decade really looked. If the Cavs didn't win that 2016 championship, who knows what would have been like for the rest of the decade. Um, let's look at number three. Uh, the Derek uh, – I'm not sorry. I'll, I'll do that one in a bit. Let's do the uh, let's do college basketball one. It's Villanova buzzer beater um, in March Madness when they won the tournament uh, uh, a couple years back when and that was like the first time a Big East team won it in a long time I think since Butler, um, but or at least since making it to the NCAA championship game. Um, but Villanova against uh, North Carolina that was massive. Um, that was a great game. All around, and North Carolina shot a three with like seconds left, tying up the game. But then Archie Diacono with the assist, Curry Bull assisted on the buzzer beater for Villanova's victory uh, to win the March Madness tournament. That was probably the best college basketball moment, um, I would say, really this this year. Um, let's look at number two, Derrick Rose buzzer beater um, to beat the Cavaliers. Uh, in the playoffs, the backboard shot. Um, other buzzer beaters could probably put on this list in terms of NBA um, regards, but I mean, my personal one was the uh, Derrick Rose. Obviously, being a Bulls fan, that's got to be my number one was the Derrick Rose buzzer beater. That was just insane all around. Um, let's look at number one. So, Kobe Bryant. I mean, you talk about a legend that was made here in the 21st century. Um, and that was put to fruition in the middle of this decade. But the best moment was that his last game that he played 60 points in his final game. Um, of course, you, you cannot remember that, cannot forget that 81 point performance um, he put up in one game. But 60 points in his final game in the most highly taught game maybe of his career. Um, that's insane. It, it is honestly insane. Uh, so that's my top five basketball moments of this uh, decade. Um, right here on Radio DePaul Sports, right on time, 12.05, which means I got some hockey coming up next right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Mextrus curling right side, drills a jumper. Let's see what Struce does. He looks like he wants to shoot. I was kind of hoping he would pull up there and one. Floater was wet. Struce is loose. Struce Curl three. three. Bang. You know it. My goodness. Struce on the other end gets it to fall and one. Now up top, he's got a double team. Now it's just Figueroa on him. Nice oh, move, quick wow. move. Out of oh control. my goodness. Wow, he was out of control. Max he finished Struth. off glass. That is a new career high for Max Struess. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? 
Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein, right here on Radio DePaul Sports. The student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. In behind Kubelik, out for Keith. He'll go to Gustafson, tees it up. He scores! Everett Gustafson, a one-timer from Duncan Keith. A power play conversion. We're tied. Welcome back. Monday Night Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein, on until 1 o'clock today. Bringing me in is the Warrior Sephir remix, Steve James Lights and Sephir, right here. RadioPaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. What you guys just listened to before this was, uh, on behalf of NHL, the tying goal by Eric Gustafson in last night's game between the Chicago Blackhawks and Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, the Blackhawks tied it up with two minutes left in the game on the power play and ended up winning the entire game in a shootout. So they won 3-2. to two. And now you look at the updated NHL standings because the last time I saw you guys, it was different. And now we got ourselves a storyline here, especially in the Eastern or in the Central Division. We're, I mean, the Blackhawks are the last place team in the Central Division, but everyone's in the fight. Yes, the defending Stanley Cup champions, St. Louis Blues, with 58 points, are the first place team by a landslide in the Central Division. That does not need to be touched. Uh, but the Colorado Avalanche with 50 points, Dallas Stars 48, New Winnipeg Jets with 45, Minnesota Wild with 43, and the 42 points uh, Nashville Predators, and then at 40 points are the Blackhawks. Blackhawks are five points away from a playoff position, but of course they got two teams in front of them to compete with. But all these wins that we're seeing recently with the Chicago Blackhawks team, they're on a, a little bit of a run right now. They had a real their worst game was this past a week from this past Monday. Uh, the worst game in the Blackhawks season by a landslide. They lost 7-1 at home against the New Jersey Devils, but then they come back at home and beat the New York Islanders on Friday, and then yesterday um, they were able to beat the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets um, on the road, and then they're on the road in Canada in, um, um, wow, wow. It's Calgary. I, I, I don't, there's like no other team in Calgary other than the Flames, so I always forget the, the city. Um, but it's the Calgary Flames... Uh, at home against the Blackhawks tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. And then before I see you next, the Blackhawks are going to have two more games after that. So three games total. Flames, Canucks on the road, and then at home on Sunday against the Red Wings. Um, that's at 6.30 p.m. So some good games coming up before next Monday, Madness Sports Talk. Let's look at other standings here in... Um, uh, we'll talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, one of the best things to happen in this decade. I'll continue talking about that in my next segment. Um, but the Vegas Golden Knights, man, 48 points over the um, Vancouver Canucks, who have 46. Phoenix Coyotes got um, 46 as well. Calgary Flames have 45. Oilers, 44. 
Ducks 37, Sharks 37, and Kings 36. So a tightly contested Pacific Division as we approach the halfway mark of the season. Let's look at the Eastern Conference. In the Eastern Conference Atlantic Division, the Boston Bruins are up 57 points over 10 points over the Ma- Toronto Maple Leafs at 47, 45 for the Panthers, 44 for the Lightning, for the Canadians, 42, 41 for the Sabres, for, uh, 37 for the Senators, and 21 for the Red Wings. So unexpectedly so, the Detroit Red Wings are the worst team in the league. Um, the Washington Capitals, 59 points above the New York Islanders, who've got 51. Um, 50 points for the Penguins, 50, uh, 49 points for the Flyers. Hurricanes got 48, 42 for the Rangers, 42 for the Blue Jackets, and 32 for the Devils. What's interesting about this Metropolitan Division, the Chicago Blackhawks, um, is Chicago Blackhawks the past three games faced the Metropolitan Division, but yet their worst loss of the season comes against the worst team in the Metropolitan Division at 32 points to the New Jersey Devils. So that's kind of embarrassing considering the Blackhawks are able to get a good win against the second place New York Islanders Islanders 5-2, which is weird. You you get the worst loss of your season in the last place team of that division, but then against the second place team in the division, you get a good one of 5-2. That's just interesting. That that says a lot about the Chicago Blackhawks team and their and their level of consistency. Um, and then you look at the Blue Jackets, who are second to last in the Metropolitan Division, and the Blackhawks barely beat them yesterday. So the consistency for this Blackhawks team is highly questionable. Highly questionable. Because um, I remember talking about their, their their good stretches to start off the season. They went on a four or five game winning streak, and then they went on a three game losing streak. Uh, it's just like this team is just wow. And I, I think it doesn't really fall under the category of the players, but really more of the coaching. Because uh, a lot of what happens, uh, especially Jeremy Collison, he's going to have to adjust even after wins. He's going to have to adjust his play calling, his, his lines, per se, where players have to enter the ice. Um, he adjusts that accordingly, and maybe those adjustments aren't right for this team, and it affects their consistency. I think that's what's happening. I think there's a problem with the coaching, and yet the players. I think this Blackhawks team is a good group of talent. They have talented players. The Blackhawks are the best, worst team in the league. Best worst team in their respective division, um, and the Blackhawks—it's just their consistency. Their goal differential is negative sixteen. The Blackhawks are, and of course, the consistency patterns are falling into the negatives and not the positives. And I think this season—a uh, goal for this season—is to get more goals than conceding of goals. Um, and. For this Blackhawks team, that's not an easy feat, apparently. So, kind of have to put that on the uh, radar as we kind of wind down the season in this NHL season is how the Blackhawks are going to adjust their consistency, especially in 2020. Maybe the new decade is going to help. Who knows? Um, Let's look at what happens. The first game of the decade in the NHL is the NHL Winter Classic taking place at the Cotton Bowl in Texas. It'll be the Dallas Stars against the Nashville Predators, which is a pretty good Central Division matchup considering the Stars are third place and the Nashville Predators are um, sixth place. And the Nashville Predators are fighting for a playoff spot, so a big win against the Stars on the road. Um, outside is a pretty good win. So that's a good game on uh, that I, I'd consider watching. And of course, what we had last year, this year, um, was the Blackhawks and... What was it? Bruins, I believe. Yeah, at Notre Dame Stadium. So, and of course, the Blackhawks losing that game. 
Um, I mean, what else do we expect here in Chicago sports? And talk about Chicago sports, man. I mean, I'm going to use the rest of this hockey time to talk about the disappointment of Chicago sports right now because I'm extremely disappointed because, first of all, we just finished talking about all North American sports, baseball, football, basketball, and now hockey, all finished. But talk about, as i got two minutes left in the segment, the disappointment of Chicago sports that has happened this this year. Cubs not meeting expectations. Bears not meeting expectations, as I've already mentioned in this show. Blackhawks inconsistencies, and the Bulls are like, to say the, the fact that the Bulls actually are the best thing that's happening right now under a under 500 season and they're actually in playoff contention nearly playoff contention that says a lot about chicago sports it's kind of like that spider-man meme where the one spider-man is looking at the other spider-man and pointing at each other like that's what all the chicago sports are doing right now because they don't know what they're doing the best thing that's happening in chicago sports right now is the paul basketball no kidding that's a hard no kidding there's 12 and 1 and it's putting Chicago on the map in a college basketball sense. The last time that happened was Loyola when they went to the Final Four a couple years ago in March Madness, and that's it. And now Chicago basketball is in the hands of DePaul. I should have mentioned this in the in the basketball segment, but I, I was talking uh, to a couple of friends about this and saying that Chicago should have an end-of-the-year NCAA basketball tournament, like a round-robin tournament or something like that. Um, maybe like they'll seed the teams accordingly and play like a single-elimination tournament of the best team in Chicago. It'll be like Chicago, UIC, um, DePaul, Loyola, and Northwestern. That's five teams. Maybe the worst team would just be disqualified from the tournament, which would probably always be Chicago. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, Chicago sports this year has just been extremely disappointing. And there just needs to be that one spark. And I think that one spark could be easily provided by DePaul basketball because that is huge right now considering the record. Um, and I just could not be any more excited about what to expect as we move forward. Um, I mean, next year in Chicago sports, that's going to be interesting to kind of like pinpoint because hopefully it's a better season for everybody. I actually forgot to mention the White Sox about the disappointing season, but I think the best thing that's happening in Chicago besides college sports is the White Sox actually having hope for next season. So that's where it's at right now. It's a very interesting situation. Um, Okay, so it's 12-18. I think it's a good time to take a more elongated break. I'm going to take about two or three minutes away from the microphone. But when I come back, it is my top five hockey moments of the decade right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no, what are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving? makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fall, and one. Oh, Max Drews brings down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the final episode of this decade right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back. Monday Mad Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein. On until 1 o'clock, 40 minutes left. They got three top five lists left. To wrap up the decade here in 2019, what a decade it has been. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about hockey. Let's do it. So... I know it's very hard to talk about hockey, and you you got moments in terms of goals, goalie saves. There's been a ton of them, just a ton of them. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to keep it that cliche in hockey. I want to like kind of talk about the moments of certain teams and like certain things that have influenced the sport to what we see as it today. So let's do it. So we're starting with hockey, and number five is going to be. Um, <sighs> I'm looking at this list and I'm like, how is any of these not number one, you know? But n- number five will probably be um, the TJ Oshie in Sochi 2014 Olympics uh, in Russia took eight rounds for the shootout between the United States and Russia um, to finish off a hockey game in, in the uh, Olympics. And this is the year that the United States lost to Canada in the Olympics. But uh, TJ Oshie was put on again and again and again um, to take up the shot against Sergei Bobrovsky, and he beat him um, after the eighth shot. Uh, and what a shootout that was. You could not ask for any better of an international shootout, but TJ Oshie of um, the current Washington Capitals, then he was on the St. Louis Blues at the time, um, was the hero uh, in that one. So that is my, 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 uh, my number five. And now number four would be uh, the Vegas Knights, Vegas Golden Knights 2017 season. Um, you talk about um, a very the first ever team to be inaugurated in Las Vegas, uh, and the first season in Las Vegas was a season where they reached the Stanley Cup Finals. 
Uh, it, that's something that has never happened before in the history of sports, and it happened in 2017, and the Las Vegas Golden Knights are still killing it. They had an above 500 season last season and a heartbreaking loss in the first round against the San Jose Sharks, but now this season, they're first place in the division. Uh, it's just been this this entire, uh, I mean, franchise so far and the moves that they made and the progress that they made as as a team. Uh, this Vegas Golden Knights team deserves some extreme recognition on this and the show as I have before. Uh, and they uh, have earned my respect as a team. And also they are the affiliate to my favorite AHL team, the Chicago Wolves. Chicago Wolves uh, feed their players into the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, and um, it's just cool to see that type of thing happen, it, that type of history. Um, the one inaugural team this year, this decade in hockey, and they're running 2017, has got to be on the list. All right, number three. Let's do uh, Ovechkin's first Stanley Cup. Um so about the same year, of course, 2017, and what was standing in the way of Vegas um, really um, putting an exclamation part on their historical season in 2017 was Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals uh, beating them in the Stanley Cup Finals and Alex Ovechkin finally winning a Stanley Cup. I think that's ahead of that list just because it's Alex Ovechkin and he deserves all the recognition possible because I think he's one of the best hockey players to ever live. I mean, he deserves, every player at the time, he deserved it the most. Alex Ovechkin and all the heartbreak he went through, all the emotions, unbelievable. Number two, Blackhawks and their dynasty this this year. Of course, being a, uh, a Chicago Blackhawks fan, notably 2010 where Patrick Kane had that overtime goal. That is my uh, one of my favorite moments in hockey ever um, was that. And, of course, the two goals in 17 seconds in 2013 and in 2015, the Chicago Blackhawks beating the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Finals um, was just quite the moments uh, that we were we had the uh, pleasure and privilege to um, experience was just unbelievable. Um, so that is my number two in hockey. Now, my number one might be a shocker to all, but it makes a lot of sense, and I might, might want to spend a minute talking about it, um, was the Humboldt Broncos. Um, and I've had a lot of sad number ones today, which is interesting, but, I mean, I, I think the sad moments in sports really help influence what we uh, – see in sports and a side today and you, you I'm going to say this and you look at sports right and the significance of sport if you play a sport as an athlete as a fan and maybe such as myself as a broadcaster you have these moments where emotions rise high and when a couple years back, um, the Humboldt Broncos being on a bus as a team, getting into a bus crash, and uh, more than half of the team um, tragically uh, passing away. It, it, that type of moment, even if it's not an NHL, brings the sports world together. And I think those are the most important types of moments in sports is when that sports moment, com- when, the, when, when, when sports, the community in sports comes together, grieves, also um, becomes stronger in the process because that's what's most important in sport, at least to me. Um, and this Humboldt Broncos uh, whole story um, and what we see today has really helped the hockey world come together, and it it helped us forget the uh, bad blood that hockey players have with each other. Um, uh, it just comes down to humanity, and I, that's my favorite aspect of sport is the humanity aspect, aspect and how much it changes people's lives. Um 
that's got to be my number one moment was the hum- humble Broncos um, and how it brought the hockey world together um, was just so beautiful. Um, and as horror as horrific as it is, um, especially me talking about it, um, it's something that really has helped change um, perspective and helped um, really bring um, goodness into the hearts of many and sympathetic hearts that were not once um, after this humble Broncos situation. And of course, the survivors, heavy hearts as well. And um, my condolences, of course, uh, are sent to um, the, I mean, the organization and everyone involved with it. Um, as late stated as it is, I said it many times, but I mean, these are the type of situations that are very hard to talk about. All right. So this was probably this is the longest top five I did so far, but I got one more to go in terms of specific sports, and that's combat sports. That's going to be coming up right up next. It's going to be UFC and combat sports. I got a lot to talk about UFC 245 and UFC uh, coming up next right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Rose crosses over the fadeaway. Live from downtown Chicago, you're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. I'm a champion, real life checks mechanism. Hi, Shaquille O'Neal for Rad. This is not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the final episode of 2019 right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back. Monday Mass Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festusine. Got 30 minutes left on the broadcast. Cannot wait. Cannot. Uh, hour and a half through. 30 minutes left. The games are just beginning. Actually, they've been going on, like I said, for 90 minutes. But that's less the games begin with AJR. It's one of the background sounds for one of my liners for this show. All right. Um... 30 minutes left. I remind you guys you're listening to Radio DePaul Sports. Student voice for your DePaul Blue Demons. Listen live on RadioDePaulSports.com and or the Radio DePaul app. Highly recommended the Radio DePaul app. Uh, nominated by the Intercollegiate Broadcasting Systems as the best college radio app in all of the nation. Download it today on your smartphone. The Radio DePaul app. Uh, Chicago's college convenience. College. <laughs> Chicago's college connection at your convenience. Chicago's college convenience. That is not the motto. All right. Let's get into some... Uh, UFC here. I'm really happy that not a lot of events happened over this hiatus that I had, um, except, of course, for UFC 245, but I was able to prepare for UFC 245 in my 154 episode on November 25th, and all my predictions came true. 
if you saw my Twitter post the day of UFC 245, I was like this. I was like, okay, the first fight in the main card, Uriah Faber versus Peter Yan. Uriah Faber is going to be knock, knocking out Peter Yan. That was the only thing I got wrong in my predictions. I was like, oh, crap. Once once Uriah Faber lost that first round fight, um, I was like, oh, no, like this is going to be a bad prediction day for me. But no, oh, oh it wasn't. I was 100% there on out because at the Bantamweight, you got Marlon Marias against Jose Aldo. Marlon Marias, 23-6-1. He was able to beat Jose Aldo in a very good decision fight. Um, I mean... It was just an exchange upon exchange upon exchange in a very close fight. I'm surprised it wasn't a split the decision, but it just wasn't that way because, I mean, first of all, Marlon Marais hit 43.1% of his total strike count compared to the Jose Aldo 41.4%. That, I think, was the stat that really took the difference on because both of those fighters had the same amount of strike count, sixty around the 60 mark for strike count both fighters had, but it's about those percentages. How many of those strikes are going to land? How much damage they're going to inflict on your opponent? Marlon Marais had that advantage, but Jose Aldo, man, he, he sh- he's slowing down, but he's still showing some vintage self, and I was glad to see that in, the, in that fight. Jose Aldo, yes, he's on the down low. He's on the, he's on the he's on the come down, but um, I'm excited to see what he's got next, especially Marlon Marais now being in bad weight. And you got a bantamweight championship coming up uh, next year, so that's going to be very interesting. Um, and I'll talk about that in a couple seconds. But let's talk about the championship bouts here in this event. It was the women bantamweight title bout between Amanda Nunez and Jermaine De Rondamimi. That was a great fight, and Jermaine definitely forced Amanda Nunez to show off some weaknesses. But Amanda Nunez definitely showing off why she is the best, maybe of all time, uh, in women's fighting. Amanda Nunez was able to beat her in the five-round decision. Amanda Nunez won at least four of the five rounds, maybe close to five out of five, but uh, Jermaine really showed off why she was a really good contender for Amanda Nunez because Amanda Nunez could knock out anybody straight up in 30 seconds. Trust me, she has that ability. But uh, against Jermaine Deronimi, um there was a definite um, like good com- combination of styles that you saw in that fight, and Jermaine, with her striking, she was able to match up uh, Amanda Nunez in some sort of aspect. She was about able to bring her down on a couple of occasions, but uh, it was all Amanda Nunez in that fight. Um, also, another feather, uh, another decision to decide a championship. That was in the featherweight co-main event. That was a five-round decision between Alexander Volkanovski and Max Holloway. Max Holloway lost his belt to Alexander Volkanovski by decision. Um, and Volkanovski, his octagon control, uh, the way he presented himself in the octagon as a guy who Max Holloway, one of the best to ever do it um, in featherweight, um, he was just outclassed, outshined by Alexander Volkanovski. But his, um, I mean, Volkanovski is like what five six and against a five nine fighter like Max Holloway, that's insane. Um, Volkanovski struck a lot. He came in, he initiated a lot of the contact. He um, landed fifty one over fifty percent of his strike count, fifty one point eight percent strike percentage rate for Alexander Volkanovski. So great stuff from him. Um, in that UFC 245 bout. Um, Kamara Usman and Colby Covington in the welterweight main event. That was my main event, personally. I was running for Kamara Usman, and he came through. Four minutes and ten seconds into round five, he was able to knock out Colby Covington in a very interesting knockout, but uh, it seems like he broke his jaw, but I don't think Colby Covington's jaw is broken. I think, rather, he's got a broken collarbone, um, which he should probably wait on. Uh, I don't know what his next fight's going to be. Kamara Usman is probably going to end up facing Jorge Masvidal, that's my prediction. I think that's the fight to be. Um, but, you know, look at the UFC rankings. Um, I mean, you got other fighters that, I mean, a lot of other fighters that deserve a title shot. Um, but let, let's look at the welterweight division after this fight. I mean, Tyrone Woodley is now number one. Colvin Covington still at two. And like I said, Jorge Masvidal, he's at number three. I mean, 
Kamaru Usman beat the top two already, so let him beat Jorge Masvidal, the BMF belt title holder, the baddest mother bleep. I can't say that on air. Trust me. You know what the F stands for. But um, Leon Edwards also deserves maybe something. He was tweeting right after the fight that it's him next and not anyone else. Steven Thompson maybe, Nate Diaz, but he just lost to Jorge Masvidal. Damian Maya, who just beat, um, uh, what's his face, Ben Askren. Um, that's going to be interesting. All right, let's look at um, boxing quick. Um, jo- Anthony Joshua versus uh, Joshua versus Anthony Ruiz. That was a rematch had about a week ago, and of course Joshua winning in a decision. That's not a surprise to me. Um, I didn't watch the fight, but what I'm really looking forward to, which just got announced for later in February, is Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. And Tyson Fury is actually contemplating him becoming an MMA fighter after his boxing career, and could this be the end of his boxing career, Tyrone um, uh, and Tyson Fury? I mean, man, if Tyson Fury beats Wilder, he might want to end it on that note because Deontay Wilder is probably the most heaviest striker in all the planet in terms of boxing. I mean, he's your, uh, honestly, he's your Mike Tyson comparison is um, Deontay Wilder. He's going to, he's going to compete against Tyson Fury. That's a fantastic fight for 12 rounds of boxing. It's exciting. Uh, I'm going to have a lot more time to talk about that fight um, because it's in later February, so we'll pause on that discussion. Let's look at other UFC main events. Main event for 246, of course, Conor McGregor versus Cowboy Cerrone. That just got announced a couple weeks ago. I like that fight a lot. It's a great matchup, great stylistic fight, but I think Conor McGregor has the upper hand. If you saw a picture of Conor McGregor on his Instagram page, he's jacked, bro. He is jacked. Um, Conor McGregor, I mean, he it's his move up to welterweight, and he has room to build up muscle mass, and he has really done it beyond expectation. And uh, he's got veins popping and everything. He is extremely uh, intimidating right now, and that's a guy I don't want to be fighting is Conor McGregor. I mean, ever, really, in any division, you don't want to be fighting Conor McGregor, but I think this one guy who can put up a good fight is that of Donald Cerrone. It's going to be a great UFC main event for 246. Um, so I'm excited for that. I think that's T-Mobile Arena again. Um, right after 245. 247 is uh, Dominic Reyes versus John Jones. I know my good friend who calls into the show often, my good friend Carlos Liquid Terminator Rodriguez. Um, he calls in and talks about John Jones and how he uh, dreams about lo- uh, him losing. He told me the other day they had a dream about John Jones losing. Um, and he's like, yeah, I mean, I don't care who does it. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> um uh, but I'll explain more about that in my top five UFC list because John Jones is actually a part of that top combat sports in the second, and that's my tease for the next segment. But continuing UFC discussion, 248 um, will be a good fight too. I mean, I just want to make sure I'm getting my facts right here. Uh, UFC 248, I think it is um, a women's. Um, hold on. I, I accidentally Googled the wrong thing, and I was like confused as to what I was looking at. All right, um, so UFC 248, like I said, women's um, main event will be uh, Xyli Wang against um, Joanna. Yeah, Joanna, who just beat, um, who just who's coming off a win, of course, against Xyli Wang. But uh, that's that's not the official main event. I don't think that that's going to be the number one main event. But um, we'll see about that. Let's look at. 249. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick below 248 because of course I have a ton of time to talk about other fights, um, but other fights that have just been announced. Um, 
It's going to be Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker on Saturday, February 22nd. I think that's the same night um, that Tyson Fury will be fighting Deontay Wilder. So that's going to be an interesting fight night there. Um, and then he got UFC fight night, Corey Anderson versus Jan Blakovich. That's Saturday, February 15th. Um, so that's going to be a good fight. Um, we're looking down on the list. So um, And like I said, 247, Jones versus Reyes. Uh, UFC fight night again. It's going to be Curtis Blades versus Junior Dos Santos. My goodness, that's a good fight. Um, first of all, Curtis Blades, uh, he is a Chicago guy. He lives in Chicago. Um, he worked out at the Midwest Training Center, which is actually where my good friend Carlos the Liquid Terminator works out at. Um, and he actually knows a couple connections to Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades, come on the show, man. Talk to me. Let's get you set up for this Junior Dos Santos fight on January 25th. Um, maybe I'll talk to him post-fight. I don't know, depending on the, uh outcome of that fight but i think that's a curtis blades win right there i'm excited for that fight i it's a usd fight night and i'm reserving my night for that fight that that my night is going towards that fight i don't care what else is on that card that fight is everything um and of course the the week before that will be the mcgregor cowboy fight so that's that's for cards and everything in combat sports but um i got a top uh top five list coming up the last of which for individual sports is for combat sports. Coming up next right here on Radio DePaul Sports, student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Rose crosses over the fadeaway. Got it. step back and kiss myself. Oh my MVP gosh, time. Windy City Assassin does it again. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Live from downtown Chicago, you're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know? Noted non-recycler Tommy Crenshaw talks about the future. Oh, I can totally see finding another planet that can support life when ours fills up with trash. Log on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you can recycle, unless you're into lame excuses like Tommy's. Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Starting over on a new planet? Now that's exciting. Don't be that guy, unless you want people looking at you funny. Log on to yougottobekidding.org. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the final episode of this decade right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back. Monday Mass Sports Talk right here on Radio Paul Sports Student Voice of your Fall Blue Demons. My name is Noah Festusin on for another 15 or so minutes. But right now it is top five combat sport moments 
of the decade, the last individual sports top moments, and then we're going to get into it. The, la- the rest of the show is on Instagram and Facebook Live, so tune in at nfesti97, at nfestie97 on Instagram or on Facebook if you're friends with me. Um, so let's get it going. Um, top five decade moments in combat sports. Let's do it. So first, number five is Korean Zombie. Um, I'm not going to say his name. It's hard to pronounce, but his stage name is Korean Zombie, losing to Yair Rodriguez. Um, so he was winning the, this fight in one UFC fight night this past a couple years ago. Um, he was losing. This is like one of the first, like, was when I was really getting into UFC, like, like really getting into UFC was a late stoppage. The latest stoppage in UFC history, uh, was Yair Rodriguez knocking out the Korean zombie with a back hook. If you're list, if you're watching it on Instagram live or Facebook live, it went like this. He came around elbow to the back and hit the guy in the head. Uh, hit Yair Rodriguez right on the temple, right where it needed to be, and he was knocked out cold. Um, Korean Zabi was. That was one of the best fights I've seen in ever, really. And I think that was one of the best moments in this decade. All right, number four. It's wrestling. So uh, I don't talk about college wrestling on the show very often, not like I have time, or not like I do research on it, too. But when it reaches March and it's the NCAA wrestling tournament, that's one of my favorite times to, like, watch wrestling. Um, so... Kyle Drake and Logan Steber are the only four, uh, aside from another wrestler who wrestled in the 90s, I'm not going to name him because you're not going to know who he is, uh, but Kyle Drake and Logan Steber in the in this decade of the 10s decade went uh, over 100 wins combined, not combined between each wrestler, but uh, in the NCAA, they were four times national champions. So to be named four times a national champion in NCAA wrestling, that is an accomplishment times a thousand. Um, so that is just something to really take note to in combat sports is, uh, I mean, you talk about NCAA wrestling, I think that's just more competitive than actual professional wrestling. Professional wrestling, not WWE. Um, I'm talking about actual wrestling, like wrestling. Um and Cal Drake and Logan Steber were the dominant factors in this decade in that regard in NCAA wrestling. So that's number four on my list. Number three um, is not is just the era of this decade and the rise of certain fighters. Of course, Anderson Silva became a thing, became a huge thing. He was still a thing before the tens, but he's just been on the rise. Conor McGregor, John Jones, as I said, I was going to mention in his rise. He was not expected to be at this point of his career, and he's the um, longest current longest tenured champion belt holder currently and his rise Henry Cejudo and his three-time champion in 2008 of course I can't mention it in the top five of this decade but in 2008 uh Henry Cejudo won uh gold in wrestling in Beijing and uh he is now a holder of two title belts but now it's uh his bantamweight belt is now vacant and that is going to be decided uh in a UFC fight night event uh I think in March so bantamweight is now um, vacant for UFC title holders, which is interesting because uh, it's giving Cejudo kind of like the the disadvantage. Um, okay, number two um, is Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. Uh, I first of all, it's a favorite moment for me because that was one of the funnest fight nights I ever I've ever hosted. I host some fight nights at my house, order the pay per view, order some pizza, 
have some fun with some friends. I had 30 people over at my house this night. It was a $100 pay-per-view. I made money because uh, it was a cover fee to get in. And uh, I also got uh, a bunch of uh, people coming in, being loud, and enjoying a good fight between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, a boxing fight for the ages. Talk about this boxing fight and how much it changed the uh, combat sport world. It changed it a lot. It really changed it a lot. Uh, I, I think all things considered... Um, uh, it's the mix between MMA and boxing, and now it's being considered more often by professional boxers, like I already mentioned, Tyson Fury, who's considering to be an MMA fighter, and also other fighters who are willing to box, like Jorge Masvidal said that he's willing to box, uh, maybe uh, in welterweight, uh, in boxing, and he gets, I mean, Jorge Masvidal is one of the best strikers in UFC, why not? Um, so yeah, that's that was a great fight, and that was probably the most highly touted matchup in all this decade in terms of combat sports fights was this McGregor and Mayweather fight. So that's on my list. My number one um, was not hard for me at all. Um, it was uh, the initiation of female fighting in the UFC uh, and Ronda Rousey becoming the first female champion in 2013 is my number one in combat sports on my list because uh, it really opened doors for female fighter, female MMA. I mean, it all started in the late 1990s. And uh, in 2009, Strikeforce, um, basically an affiliate to UFC, um, initiated women's MMA. And that has carried on beautifully until today. Um, and it's given a lot of women uh, great opportunities to, sh to, to fight and to be in the professional UFC field and being treated the same as um, how men's divisions are, even though there's less women's divisions, but um, it it's just something that is extremely notable to mention uh, in my top five combat sports moments of the decade. So that's that. Top five combat moments, sports, sports moments of the decade. Um, and we're going to continue with top moments of the decade, just all around, all sports, everything, coming up live right next year on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. Stay tuned. This is Noah Festestine. Be back in a bit. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life, young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I did the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. 
Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fall, and one. Oh, Max Drews brings down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You are listening to Monday Nana Sports Talk, the final episode of this decade right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back for the last segment of this decade right here on Monday Mass Sports Talk. Right here, Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of the Order Pablo Demons. That's the score, the legend, bringing me back into this final segment of 2019 and the 10s decade. Wow, emotional stuff, right? Um, but let's get it going with my personal top moments. Not really top five, just kind of like an array of moments that I just put down on a list um, not really much, but just some notables. Okay, I already mentioned the Blackhawks Dynasty run. That's on my top five list if I were to make a top five. Um, I would also talk about um, this past March, April, uh, when Tiger Woods won the Masters. Uh, that was an amazing moment because that's just a comeback story for the ages. Tiger Woods, we thought he was all gone, but once we thought he was all gone, he came back. And he won the Masters, and now he's won a couple other tournaments since then, but nothing too major. Um, and now if he wins a couple more majors, he can uh, tie it for the top of all time for golfers. So Tiger Woods, man, that's on my list. That was no hesitation. I had to do it. It's golf, one of my favorites. So Tiger Woods winning the Masters this year was great. Okay, uh, I haven't mentioned soccer today. I wanted to mention soccer because soccer deserves some attention. Um, two things about soccer. Um, this past uh, couple seasons ago, a couple U- UEFA championship, UEFA champion league seasons ago, uh, the Barcelona comeback versus PSG when they were down in aggregate five to one going to, uh, Camp Nou, uh, in Barcelona. Uh, and that place was loud still even down five one. And I mean, Q, uh, Neymar Jr. Who is now a part of Paris Saint-Germain, cue him up because he came up big in that game with a couple penalty shots and a goal and assist. Uh, to help Barcelona pull off a six to five win over PSG when they were once down five to one, that's the best comeback. And you talk about UEFA Champions League, that is an amazing comeback because um, Champions League is the best of the best in in Europe, and Europe is the best of the best of the world. So uh, um, that was definitely a moment to remember for all time soccer. Um, and then this year, this decade, in terms, I mean, if you're taking something nicely out of United States soccer. From this past decade, you're talking about uh, the success of the United States women's soccer winning the World Cup in 2015 and 2019, just falling short in 2011 to Japan, uh, but they were able to uh, get that um, win back against Japan in 2015, and now here in 2019, they were able to win uh, the World Cup again. So the success of USA women's soccer was it. Uh, if you're talking about men's soccer, I think the best moment was um, the John Brooks goal uh, in the 2014 World Cup against Ghana in the first game of, uh, I mean, they were in the group of death. It was Ghana, Portugal, and Germany in the same group in 2014 in the United States. The United States were able to pull through in the same group that the champions uh, of Germany. And then you got Mario Goetze 
with the game-winning goal in 2014. That's a great moment to talk about. I mean, he had three World Cups in this entire decade, and you get to talk about those three World Cups. I got to talk about one of them on, on the radio, and that was 2018. And that, I mean, 2018 World Cup was an absolute um, masterpiece of a World Cup. That was great to watch in Russia. Um, and you talk about uh, some great moments. Of course, Germany, France winning. Um, in 2010, of course, you saw um, some great performances as well. But 2014 was where it was at for United States soccer. I mean, the worst thing that happened this decade was the United States losing to Trinidad and Tobago in the qualifying uh, World Cup qualifiers in 2017. That was just absolutely horrible. And I was embarrassed to be a United States soccer fan after that one. But hopefully uh, some improvements are to be made for this 20, um, for the 20s decade. All right, so that's soccer for you. Um, in terms of other, let's, let's talk, since you got the Olympics coming up in this summer, let's talk about some Olympic success. Of course, Usain Bolt, I think, is the not, number one um, athlete um, in terms of Olympics. The number one athlete just got voted in by the AP poll yesterday. LeBron James was just put up barely in front of Usain Bolt, who is uh, tied for second and best AP athlete of the year. Oh, I'm sorry, of the decade, but... Uh, by far, I think it's LeBron James. I'm not contesting that. LeBron James has shown it time and time again why he is one of the best athletes of all time. Um, Usain Bolt, like I said, Simone Biles. Simone Biles, I mean, she was like one of the youngest gymnasts to win 24-plus uh, gold medals and world titles. I mean, this 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 girl is amazing at what she does, everything, her floor routine, her balance beam, everything. I mean, uh, the, I think one of the most versatile gymnasts that – the world has ever seen in Simone Biles. Uh, I think this world has definitely been privileged to be able to see that. Um, and it, for her to come from the United States, um, same as the next two people I'm about to mention, is just quite remarkable. All right, my next person is Michael Phelps. Of course, he um, uh, broke mo- m- multiple rap- records. I think most notably was the uh, 2010, 20, um, 2012, and 2016 um, Summer Olympics. Uh, where Phelps was just crushing all competition. And then uh, Sean White, snowboarder. you got to love snowboarding. And Sean White, his success and his consistency in winning gold medals, you always expect for that guy to do something spectacular every single time he hits the half pipe, he hits the slopes, hits the um, – um, it's just everything. I mean, Sean White's the entire package in snowboarding. Um, so, the, yeah, that's it. I mean, a whole decade in a nutshell – in two hours here, Money Mass Sports Talk. It's been a heck of a show. Um, I mean, I wish that I had a brain to process so many other great memories. Uh, but my number one memory that will always stick with me from this decade, there's a lot of memories. Don't get me wrong. A lot of nostalgic moments to look back on. But the one memory I will always have from this decade is the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. Now, I, I, I came into this decade as a really, really, really um, demotivated Cubs fan. Like, I just did not have any enthusiasm for this team. And now it's just back. You know, it reached the middle of the decade. I was like, wow, this Cubs team's still not going to do great in 2015. And then all of a sudden, they win 97 games. And then in 2016, the Cubs win 103 games, and they end up winning the World Series. Best moment for me personally was that one moment where Mike Montgomery threw the pitch. Chris Bryant picks it up at third base, slightly slips, throws it to Anthony Rizzo for the final out of the World Series. Now, I haven't played much audio um, about really today 
I, I was thinking about playing um, audio for really everything on the list for decade, but I feel like that would have wasted time, and it really didn't. So that's good. Um, but um, this moment, ah, oh, you got to be kidding me! Playback error? Are you serious? All right, there we go. Now I got it. Awesome. There we go. Uh, let's let's look at the moment. My favorite moment of the decade, right here, right now. Take a listen. I just want to make sure my music's not playing. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, take a listen. This is, like I said, my favorite moment of the decade is by far this. Outfielders to the Cubs playing no double zone. Extremely deep in left. Fowler deep in center. Hayward not quite as deep in right. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. The Cubs come pouring out of the dugout, jumping up and down like a bunch of delirious 10-year-olds. The Cubs have done it. The longest drought in the history of American sports is over, and the celebration... Well, you heard it. Best moment of the decade. No question about it. This has been your 155th episode of Money Mass Sports Talk. All the way from Harvard College Radio right here to Radio DePaul Sports. It's been an absolute pleasure being on today. And I'll see you guys next week for the start of winter quarter. How about that? How about it? Be on at 11 o'clock next week up until 1230. Thank you all for tuning in to Money Mass Sports Talk, the 155th episode of such. See you next week for 156. And have a happy new year, everyone. Be safe. Please be safe. I'll see you guys next week. state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago. It's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.